the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider on a very hot weekend in Rome. Looking at a map of North America and a few other places, it seems a lot of people are suffering from heat waves. So now, have a cool drink and join me as I look at news from the Vatican and talk to my guest in the interview segment. Today is part two of my conversation with EWTN's chaplain to staff, Father John Paul. He spends several weeks each year with the Rome Bureau, and last week he spoke about that and about being a missionary of mercy. This week, he shares his thoughts on the Sacrament of Reconciliation and his life as a confessor priest. Now, sit back, and I hope you enjoy my overview of the week's principal Vatican news stories. Sunday, June 12th, Trinity Sunday. After praying the Angelus with the faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square, below his study window, Pope Francis apologized to the authorities of the Democratic Republic of Congo and of South Sudan for having to postpone his apostolic visit. He said he plans to go as soon as possible and is optimistic. The Vatican announced the postponement on Friday, June 10th. Pope Francis says he wants to reschedule his visit to the DRC and to the South Sudan as soon as possible. Monday, June 13th, Pope Francis announced he's planning to celebrate Holy Mass with Congolese living in Rome on the day he was previously scheduled to preside over Sunday Mass at Ndolo Airport in Kinshasa, the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Speaking at the start of his audience with members of the Missionaries of Africa, known as the White Fathers, Pope Francis said he intends to celebrate Holy Mass with the many Congolese in Rome on July 3rd. We will bring Kinshasa to St. Peter's, and there we will celebrate with all the Congolese in Rome, of whom there are many. The Pope was talking with participants of the general chapter of the Missionaries of Africa just a day after, at the Angelus, he had apologized to authorities of the DRC in South Sudan for having to post his two-nation trip. The Pope exhorted the missionaries to embrace the meaning and strength of their charism and invited them to be apostles and witnesses through prayer and fraternity. Also Monday, as Pope Francis continues to suffer from knee pain, the Holy See Press Office announced that he will not preside over the traditional Corpus Christi Mass at St. John Lateran Esplanade and the procession from the Cathedral of St. John to the Basilica of St. Mary Major. Corpus Christi will be celebrated at the Vatican on Thursday, June 16th. In 2020 and 2021, only the Mass was scheduled, and it took place in St. Peter's Basilica with a small number of faithful and was not followed by a procession. The Vatican statement said due to the limitations imposed by the Pope on his knee pain and because of the specific liturgical needs of the celebration, the Holy Mass in procession with the Eucharistic blessing will not be celebrated on the Solemnity of Corpus Christi on Sunday, June 19th. Tuesday, June 14th. In his message for the Sixth World Day of the Poor, Pope Francis invited Christians to greater solidarity and responsibility for the poor in society, stressing the importance of putting our faith into practice through personal involvement that cannot be delegated to others. The World Day of the Poor is commemorated annually on the 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time in the liturgical calendar, and this year that falls on November 13th. 
In his message for the annual observance, whose theme this year is, For Your Sakes Christ Became Poor, Pope Francis recalled the words of St. Paul to the Christians of Corinth in order to encourage their efforts to show solidarity with their brothers and sisters in need. Also Tuesday, Pope Francis granted a very lengthy interview to ten editors of the Jesuit magazine La Civiltà Cattolica, and he shared his thoughts on several topics, foremost among the war in Ukraine, Germany's synodal path, and signs of fresh life in the Church. Wednesday, June 5th, continuing his catechesis on the value of old age at the general audience, Pope Francis invited the elderly to overcome the temptation to stand aside, because the Lord never discards them, but rather restores their strength to serve. He focused on the healing of Simon's mother-in-law in the Gospel of Mark. Illness weighs on the elderly in a different and new way than when one is young or an adult, said the Pope. For many elderly people, said the Pope, doubt begins to creep in that they will not recover and they may begin to lose hope in the future. But the gospel scene helps us to hope, and it offers a first lesson, and that is that Jesus did not visit the sick woman alone. Rather, he went there with the disciples. In the same manner, the Christian community must take care of the elderly relatives and friends, said the Pope. Also at the audience, the Pope made his 56th appeal for peace in the war-afflicted nation of Ukraine at the end of his catechesis. Please, he appealed, let us not forget the war-torn people of Ukraine. Let us not get used to living as if the war were something distant. Also Wednesday, in a rescript issued that day, Pope Francis decreed that before erecting by decree a public association of faithful with a view to becoming an institute of consecrated life or a society of apostolic life of diocesan right, the diocesan bishop must obtain a written license from the dicastery for institutes of consecrated life and societies of apostolic life. Thursday, June 16th. Pope Francis accepted Belgian Bishop Lucas van Looy's request not to be made a cardinal after the announcement provoked criticism that he did not always react decisively enough against abuse allegations. The Pope had named the Bishop Emeritus of Ghent, Belgium, on May 29th as one of the 21 new cardinals he would create in a consistory on August 27th. Friday, June 17th, Pope Francis received a delegation of Buddhists from Thailand and he reiterated Pope St. Paul VI's feelings of profound regard for the spiritual, moral, and socio-cultural treasures of the Buddhist tradition. Joined by several representatives of the Thai Catholic Church, the Buddhists are in Rome to participate in a conference entitled Friendship Between Buddhist and Christians for a Culture of Encounter. This is taking place at the Pontifical Urban University. Francis told them, at a time in which our human family and planet are facing manifold threats, the need for interreligious dialogue and collaboration is increasingly necessary. He invited Buddhists to continue to work together with the Catholic Church to cultivate compassion and hospitality for all human beings, especially the poor and marginalized. Pope Francis also met Friday with formators from the Archdiocesan Seminary of Milan, and he reflected on the mission of schools of theology and the role of theological journals. 
His words came in a printed address handed out to members of the editorial board of La Scuola Cattolica during an audience on the occasion of the Theological Journal's 150th anniversary. Well, those are the week's highlights. Now, stay here for a Q&A and my conversation with EWTN's chaplain to staff, Father John Paul. Welcome to the Q&A, and especially today when we talk about indulgences and who issues them. One of the three tribunals of the Vatican is the Apostolic Penitentiary, which is chiefly a tribunal of mercy, responsible for issues relating to the forgiveness of sins in the Church. Its work over matters in the internal forum falls mainly into the following categories. The absolution of excommunications late sententiae reserved to the Holy See, the dispensation of sacramental impediments reserved to the Holy See, and the issuance and governance of indulgences. Canon 992 of the Code of Canon Law tells us an indulgence is the remission before God of temporal punishment for sins whose guilt is already forgiven, which a properly disposed member of the Christian faithful gains under certain and defined conditions. An indulgence is partial or plenary, insofar as it partially or totally frees from the temporal punishment due to sins. Canon 994 says any member of the faithful can gain partial or plenary indulgences for oneself or apply them to the dead by way of suffrage. Indulgences may be granted during a jubilee year, special years like the 2015-16 Year of Mercy, or on an occasion decided by the Apostolic Penitentiary with the approval of the Pope. They can also be granted for certain prayers, such as the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace, etc. Here we see a partial indulgence is granted to the faithful who raise their mind with humble confidence to God. One annual occasion is All Souls Day, when one can visit a church or chapel and pray the Our Father and recite the Creed to be granted an indulgence on behalf of a loved one who died or for an unknown soul in purgatory. The faithful must satisfy the conditions for any plenary indulgence, and those are detachment from all sins, the sacrament of penance within the week before or week after the occasion, reception of the Eucharist, and praying for the Pope's intentions. There are also adaptations for those unable to go to a church. He was a doctor of the church and one of the greatest defenders of Christ's divinity. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. Then Athanasius of Alexandria fought against the Arian heresy that questioned the divinity of Christ. He once condemned the Arians as opposers of Christ who had dug a pit of ungodliness. It was said of him, Athanasius contra mundum, Athanasius against the world, but for Christ. He died in 373. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Faith is a precious gift from God. As the largest religious media network in the world, EWTN has an important role in educating others about our Catholic faith and spreading the good news of salvation. We invite you to explore our numerous pages of historical faith documents, prayers, teachings, and other current issues in Catholicism today. Visit EWTN.com and click Catholicism. EWTN, the global Catholic network. 
When I begin my prayer time, I always enter into it with the expectation that God wants to teach me something. And it has to start with my willingness to share my heart with God, not just say words at Him. So whether I'm using more formal prayers or a more conversational style of prayer, I have to bring my heart and my life and my real self to God. And by having that dialogue, we're able to enter into a deeper relationship, and He's able to show me how to use all the events of my life to draw closer to Him. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with EWTN's Father John Paul. As chaplain to EWTN staff, he spent several weeks each year with the EWTN Rome Bureau. Last week, you heard how he was chosen by Pope Francis during the Jubilee Year of Mercy to be a missionary of mercy. This week, he tells us more about his time in Rome as chaplain to the EWTN staff, and he also talks of the third international meeting of missionaries of mercy with Pope Francis. So stay tuned for that. Now, Father John Paul, I want to ask you, in this capacity as a missionary of mercy, what has most impacted you in these years of talking to people, but in particular, hearing confessions? I think the year of mercy... Uh, has given me a prism, uh, really a whole different, I think, a vista in which I'm living my priesthood. I think the extraordinary Jubilee Year of Mercy is not just meant for that year that it was. We should all be living in the in the whole realm of mer- of mercy. Uh, Saint Faustina, I think, particularly in her diary, uh, oh, yes. the way the Lord conveyed to her in her diary that this is a time of mercy that the Lord wants to have mercy upon the world. He gives this image to her in the diary that the way that God the Father looks at his children are through the wounds of Jesus. So St. Faustina had this image of the crucified Jesus and God the Father looking at us, his children, through those wounds. And that those wounds are sacred. It's all scriptural. It all goes back to St. Thomas. St. Thomas put put his... um finger into oh, the side our of doubting Jesus, Thomas, yes. into the side of Jesus. But but I think in in the sacrament of penance, this is what the Lord does to us. Let's flip around that uh, image in the scripture of St. Thomas, of him putting his finger in the side of Jesus. I think what happens in the sacrament of penance, uh, analogously, of course, Jesus puts his finger on our wounds. That's beautiful. Jesus puts his finger on our wounds, where, wow. where it hurts. Joan, when you go to the doctors, you need to tell the doctor where it hurts. Okay? Sure. You can't just go into the doctor and say, it hurts. Yeah. The doctor's going to ask you where. Sure. And you need to identify where. You need to so say perfect. it. You need to say it audibly. And this is a church's wisdom. This is Jesus Christ's wisdom. He's the perfect psychologist, the perfect psychiatrist in the world. <laughs> he knows the human mind. Yeah. He institutes a sacrament in which we need to audibly say and to account for what we've done. We are the judges. We're the ones who come in and say, I've done this. How many times? About how many times? The gravity. And Jesus is the one who touches those wounds where it hurts. We need to be the one to say, this is where I have offended God. This is where it hurts in my life. This is how I've heard it hurt my neighbor. Right. And so Jesus enters into that area. He's a divine physician that that touches it. He's yes. seen it as a priest, 
And that's what's affected me most as a priest. And you heard this from Father Joseph, too. I was just going to say that. Is the, how it's transformed our whole life as a priest. I remember when the Jubilee year ended. And we got a communication from Rome, from New Evangelization, of when our mandate was going to cease. And you know what I did? I knew what time the Holy Father was going to be closing the Jubilee doors. I got up and I wanted to know when my mandate ceased. Yeah. Okay? I was sad when the Jubilee year ended and my mandate ceased because that means I'm I'm not a missionary of mercy anymore. Yeah. Well, I woke up the next day, Joan. I got a phone call, a text from Alan Holdren, the former uh, one one of our colleagues. And he said, Father, do you realize that the Pope, on his own initiative, continued your ministry? What joy. And I have to say, that was joy. Wow. That was joy that I felt. I woke up thinking, I wasn't even hardly awake yet, so I was looking at my phone, hardly awake. Are you serious? And then I called him, yes. And now, now, fast forward, part part of the Roman period. I don't know if you remember... But when Francis was elected, the Sunday after he was elected, Mm. that Sunday was March 17th, 2013, and he had not yet inaugurated his pontificate. That would be two days later. Mm. But he went over and he said Mass Mm. at St. Anne's Little Parish Church in the Vatican. Mm. And his whole homily, and then later for the uh, noon angelus, his entire homily, if I recall, it was off the cuff. We had one prepared and didn't use it. But it was on mercy. That seemed to be the key word of his pontificate, almost. God never tires of forgiving. And we should never tire of asking Yes, that's what he said. God never tires of forgiving us. But we tire, we grow weary in asking forgiveness. And for those of you who are listening, perhaps that you've... Maybe you haven't been to confession in a while. Maybe you think that you can't be forgiven. You can be forgiven. It almost brings tears to your eyes to think that people might hesitate Mm because they think what they've done is so awful. Or maybe have experienced, and I may ask pardon, if I may, I always like to couch this because the Holy Father said that a lot of people have stayed away from the sacrament of penance because of how they were treated in the past by a priest from their young years. So if any of our listeners, and there may be just one of you, And that's okay. If this were to bring you back to the confessional, this interview would have been all worth it. Mm -hmm. But if you were ever harmed by a priest or or treated unfairly or harshly in the confessional from a young age or maybe in your teenage years or older years, I apologize to you. I apologize to you. That's not the way a priest should act. No. A priest should be the good shepherd in the confessional. We had a priest, Father Angelus, who used to say to us that, he, he said this early in his priesthood. He said, Lord, if, if I ever act harshly to a penitent, strike me dead. Yeah. Uh, because we are to be the good shepherd uh, in the confessional and, and treat people the way they should be treated. What if somebody was poorly treated? They were on the verge anyway of, um, I don't even know if I need to go to church or mass anymore. Mm-hmm. And a confessor who literally drove them, you know, yes. away. But that happens. Um, one thing I remember very clearly from our the dinner the three of us had, and I wish we had time for it today. In the I wish Father Joseph were here. Oh, my gosh. It, it was just so utterly amazing. But we also had some funny moments talking about mm-hmm. the funny things, like in particular children with their, with their first confession when they don't 
understand yes. total. They're seven or eight, eight. They don't totally understand sin. And and I, I do remember my parents years ago mm. talking about a priest in Holy Name Cathedral in Chicago, and he's brand new priest, and he's being assigned, you know, like uh, daily from noon to two, he has confessions, and so he. But he goes in the first day, opens the little sl- slide door, and. The, he sees on the ledge where a person would normally have their hands or their elbows, he sees a gun. Um, and he's going, oh my gosh, my first confession, I'm looking at a gun. Who, who, who's on the other side of this grate? And it turned out that at the end of the confession, the person said to the priest, Father, before I go, I'm a brand new policeman in Chicago. Could you bless my gun? You know, so I mean, um, of that priest, I'm sure, breathed uh, his first sigh of relief. But there are some wonderful, funny, heartwarming, you know, stories connected with that. Maybe we'll do a separate show on that someday. Now, I know you're going to be here for a few more weeks and sure. be saying Mass and um, going to some papal events. There's Mass this Sunday. There's an organization. And a canonization. On, oh, canonization's on, on the May 15th. On May 15th. Yes. Uh, Charles, uh, Charles de Foucault. And I, I believe actually 10 people are going to be canonized. It was seven, it's a big day, yeah. but they added three. And it's going to be a big day because this is the first canonization since uh, St. John Henry Newman. Back before oh, the, you're right. Yeah, because in of Rome. The, right. Yeah, this is the first one in Rome since... Uh, well, in fact, the first papal audience was, um, I, was after Palm Sunday or Easter Sunday in St. Peter's Square. Mm-hmm. That was the first time in a couple of years. Yeah. The only outdoor period was about a year or something ago when he met a couple hundred people in the San Damaso courtyard. Yes. You know, with all the protocols, six feet between visitors, etc. Well, can I say something else about, you know, the whole Missionaries of Mercy initiative sure. that, that uh, is really interesting? Uh, last visit, uh, they conveyed to us um, in Rome, I think it was in 2018, that, that we should, on our own, be creative and start uh, national groups. So in the United States, oh. we have a national group of Missionaries of Mercy that, that gather that are fed, that we gather together and are, um, we have a speaker, we have um, initiatives, we have a whole uh, two or three days, four days that um, we come together just in fellowship. And this has grown into something among the, the Missionaries of Mercy in the United States that they actually mentioned at this meeting, uh, I think we were among four that they mentioned uh, around the world that have, uh, have these national groups. And uh, Archbishop Fisichella was very encouraged by that. Good. Uh, that we were taking our own initiative, gathering together, and also at the same time, seeing where this ministry is leading us. Okay. The Council of the New Evangelization was very interested to see how us mis- missionaries of mercy in our own life, in our own priesthood, in our own apostolates are exercising this ministry. Sure. In confession, in preaching, I think every single one of us, I believe there are 1,040 of us now in the world, every single one of us has very unique experiences, very unique gifts given to us by God. So it's not going to look the same for each and every missionary sure. mercy. It's going to be a different experience lived out in his own priesthood. Absolutely. And so I, I thought I would like to mention that is that um, you know hopefully in the United States, the Missionaries of Mercy um, can offer initiatives uh, in the future sure. uh, in the church, especially as we uh, invoke um, in this 
next three years, uh, going into next three years of uh, Eucharistic so, revival. And before the Jubilee and everything, wow. Yeah. So we want to have a Eucharistic revival in the United States. Uh, the bishops have called for this. Uh, so how, how can we be involved in this Eucharistic sure. revival? Because the sacrament of penance, confession, is intrinsically connected to the Eucharist. So the power that a priest has, and, and let's just face it, every priest, you know, he may not be a missionary of mercy commissioned by Pope Francis, you know, uh, in this capacity that I've been given, but every priest is a missionary of mercy. I was just going to say exactly. Okay, every priest is an ambassador of God's mercy. How do we get people to love the Eucharist? How do we get people to come to the Eucharist uh, more fervently and to make for, more fervent uh, receptions of Holy Communion? I would say, as a missionary of mercy, I would say, try to convey to people to come to confession more frequently. The more... And the, we get grace oh my going God. to... With all the sacraments, we get grace. The more people recognize their need for God. Yeah. And, and, and their total dependence on God in a world that we want to be independent. The more we recognize that we need God, that we need grace... When people come to confession more frequently, and and this is what this is what it has transformed my life as a as a coming back to the Catholic Church in my twenties, and now I'm, I'll, I'll turn uh, forty six next uh, Saturday. Oh, um, so one of the things that has been the biggest surprise to me is the sacrament of penance. Why isn't this talked about as much? When I was growing up, not so much. But now, I think in our church, people yeah. start are starting, priests are starting to talk more about it. That, I think, can help people appreciate w- who they're receiving in the Eucharist. Yeah. Because we're receiving Jesus Christ. Body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. And the Eucharist. same one who forgave us our sins. <laughs> exactly. In confession. And, exactly. But I, I know when I grew up, I mean, every single parish had, you could do any, anything during the week. But Saturdays, mm. there were two to three hours minimum. In, in, in which several priests, but that's when parishes had like, you know, four and five priests. Yeah. You had Monsignor and, yeah. and the four priests and so forth. So, well, Father John Paul, our time is, is running out, but this sure. has been a wonderful conversation. Sure. And I truly hope and pray for uh, a lot of listeners that it will be uplifting. And for anybody who might have a doubt that, you know, that that doubt will be, will be erased. So you have blessed many people in your life at EW10 in America, those of us here in Rome, and may God continue to bless you and your in your time in the Eternal City. Thank you so. so much, Joan, for all the work that you've done here all these years in Rome, and you've given people a lot of hope uh, and brought people to an appreciation of the gift of faith that we've been given. So thank you. That's my mission, too. Yes. I'm a missionary in a different way. Yes, yes. yes. we all missionaries. So. Well, God bless you, and thank you, and and enjoy your time in Rome. Very good. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.